Hi, this is Michael Feeder of the upcoming movie Sinbin, and I'll be the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us, and welcome aboard to On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, and our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 284 of On Screen and Beyond. Michael Steeter is going to be joining us. You might remember Michael from The Zack Files, Life with Derek, 18 to Life, and so many other shows, and... He's going to be coming here to talk about his latest movie that's coming out on October 18th in theaters and on demand. It's called Adventures in the Sin Bin. So we're going to be talking about all that. It's going to be a great show. We've got a lot of things coming at you as far as movies and DVDs and TV and movie DVD releases and everything else. So let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like the writer of The Lone Ranger has been hired to rewrite the big screen version of Masters of the Universe. We'll see what he can do with that. And a big screen movie of Mark Miller's comic The Kindergarten Heroes is in the works over at 20th Century Fox. And it looks like Disney is working on a new live action film on the exploits of Cruella DeVille. Now, of course, they've done that before with uh, Glenn Close and uh, everything, but uh, we'll see what they're going to do with it this time. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies, well, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley will be added again as they join forces in another film. This one will be called Devil's Night, and it's all about when they were young and they were buddies, and then they get angry at each other, and then 15, 20 years later, everything breaks loose, and it's, it's, it's you know it's going to be a riot. These two guys get together, they do a great job. Anyways, Anthony Hopkins and Sam Worthington will star in a film set in 1983, and it's based on a kidnapping. And look for Ron Howard. He's working on a film based on George Orwell's 1984. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take you down to Sequel City and find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, a lot of people talking about that. Well, Harrison Ford now says he is not sure if he will be in Star Wars Episode 7. Hmm. And Harrison Ford is also saying that he might be up for a sequel to Blade Runner. So things keep bouncing around back and forth. You never really know what's going to go on. We'll keep you informed. And Hotel Transylvania 2 
is in the works, and it's looking for a 2015 release. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, it looks like Downton Abbey Season 4 will be coming our way on Blu-ray and DVD on January 28th. And January 7th, you can look for the following, the complete first season. Good show. I enjoyed that one. And Hut in Cleveland Season 4 lands in stores on December 3rd. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, it looks like Smurfs 2 will land on Blu-ray and DVD on December 3rd. And those little guys, those little minions on Despicable Me 2 wiggles their way into stores in Blu-ray and DVD on December 10th. And the Wolverine with Hugh Jackman slices its way into Blu-ray and DVD on December 3rd. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV time. TV time, well, it looks like Team Wolf has been renewed for a fourth season, and NBC is looking to remake Remington Steel for TV, and CBS has canceled We Are Men. Kind of makes you wonder. Sometimes they just, you know, two episodes, three episodes, they don't give it much time to get a following, but uh, they axed it. We Are Men are gone. So... That's it for TV time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, talking about TV. It seems since uh, around the year 2000, Michael Cedar has been on TV, whether it was on 18 in Life or The Zack Files or, or Bomb Girls or, or uh, Life with Derek, and just so many other shows he's been on, Murdoch Mysteries. He's been around, and he's got a new movie out that's coming out on October 18th in theaters and on demand. It's called Adventures in the Sin Bin, and you got to be checking that one out because Michael's coming here to talk about that, and uh, he's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Michael Cedar. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actor that you may remember for his role as Spencer on The Zack Files, or as Derek on Life with Derek, or as Tom on 18 to Life. His latest movie, Adventures in the Sin Bin, hits theaters and on demand on October 18th. It's Michael Cedar. Michael, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hi there. How you doing? Michael, tell us about the Adventures in the Sin Bin. Uh, well, that's a new title to me. I mean, I've heard it before today. It used to just be called Sin Bin. Oh, okay. Um, it's, you know, a sort of John Hughes-like coming-of-age story about uh, a young guy who uh, uses this... His friends use him to use his van uh, to kind of get laid in. And as raunchy as it may sound, it's actually quite sweet. And it's all about what it is to be a man and when you're young, equating that to sex. Uh, and it's just him trying to kind of figure out who he is in his own world. Uh, while navigating his friends and all the crazy people around him. Yeah, I was surprised because, you know, I mean, I get a lot of different movies in to, to, to look at and everything, and uh, at first I thought, okay, here's another <laughs> another raunchy teen 
that teen movie. <laughs> totally. But after watching it, it, it it's it's not like you said, and it, it actually has a heart in it. And uh, I, I thought that was kind of nice because you know it could have gone a different direction. Yeah, I mean the film has a ton of heart, and I think uh, I think it's much more similar to films of you know mid to late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, risky business. Uh, Ferris Bueller, in a way, it's not quite as. Uh, Slapsticky and pantsdroppy as Ferris Bueller. Right. It definitely has. It definitely has that feeling. I think of John Hughes that really cutting to what it's like to be a teenager and have all these firsts and learn who you are as a person, rather than just dick jokes. Yeah. There's a few dick jo- jokes. Right. Oh yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Now, what attracted you to the film? Um, the script. It was. You know. It was a really small independent budget and I had I'm from Canada and that's where I've done most of my work all through my life Mm -hmm. and uh, I just got down to LA and this was my first audition and I remember turning to my friend reading the script and I said I think I could do this like I really think I could make this role work and I was telling him how great this script was and wouldn't that be fun if right away this happened and then somehow it magically did Um, and it's just the dialogue is so smart and original, but at the same time feels authentic. There's nothing forced about it. Mm-hmm. It's not too pithy uh, or overly referency, but really feels like a, a, a an original voice, which Chris Storr just does so well. Um, and so, yeah, it was over the moon when I got the call that, you know, I was going to be the lead in this film. And then it, when you work on a smaller budget, it's actually so exciting because everybody's there specifically because they believe in the project. It's not that no one's there for the paycheck. So you get such a committed group of people and it, the project became more and more attractive as it went on because, uh, everybody was just giving so much to it and was so passionate about it, which is always nice to work in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people tell me that it's different when you're working on an independent film. It's something you care more, not, not necessarily, I don't want to say you don't care about the other ones, but, but you have a little more feeling for it. Yeah. You definitely, you're not doing it if you don't care about it. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you can get any actor to work for pretty much nothing if you write a great story that they care about when they read. So did you audition for this or did they approach you with this? Uh, no, I sent, uh, I had missed uh, the casting because they were just casting in the States and I had just gotten down there. Uh-huh. Um, so I sent a tape out to New York from L.A. very last minute uh, and it just sort of worked out because they couldn't find the guy because they were looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, way, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, always look on the good side. So, uh, now, how much do you get to put into your character when you're in a film like this? Uh, you put a ton into it. I mean, I uh, I wasn't rewriting a ton of dialogue because, as I said before, um, I thought it was so strong that I didn't really feel there was a lot that needed to be changed. There was a few discussions here and there about what about this here and that, uh, this and that, but... You know, when you're when you're in all but four scenes of a film, you kind of got to give a lot because you're carrying it. And uh, so, yeah, and you just 
rely on the team around you. Like, you know, Billy was fantastic and always showed up knowing Billy Federighi, the director, mm-hmm. um, always showing up knowing what he wanted and having Chris Storer, the writer there, as a producer was really advantageous because he knows the script so well and really knows the characters that he was a great bouncing board. Um, and you don't sleep much and uh, you don't dig around too much because you got to carry the thing. Right, yeah. So when you're working on a film like this, uh, now you've worked on a lot of other other shows and, and, and movies and things. Now, how does it compare working on an independent compared to, say, when you were on uh, 18 to Life or, or The Zack Files or Life with Derek? Well, um, you know, when you, when you sign on uh, and you know you're not really getting paid uh, barely anything, you're not expecting the star treatment. So you're not, you're not, you don't have a comfy trailer for your off scenes. I mean, I didn't have any scenes off in this, but they, with what they could do, everybody treated everyone so bloody well. Um, you don't need money to treat the people you work with well, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so comparatively, and there's a lot more freedom when you're doing an independent because you don't have a network or a studio uh, breathing down your neck, giving you notes and telling you how to do it. Right. So if I have an opinion, it's between the director and I to decide how we should do it. And, you know, he gets to come up with all his ideas and use all of them and doesn't have somebody reading over a storyboard saying, I don't get it. Yeah. Have, have you ever worked with any of the people who were in the film? No, everybody uh, was a brand new crew to me. Uh, it was the first thing I did in the state, so it was a whole new group of people. Now, you you mentioned that uh, this is the first one you did in the States, but, but you've been in a lot of shows that have been on in the States, but what were they, produced in Canada? Yeah. Uh, a lot of my work has been American stuff shooting in Canada, ah. or it's Canadian product that was sold to the States. I see. Okay. Okay. What prompted you to become an actor? Uh, I was a little kid performing for Grandma every Sunday dinner, and there was an open casting call for beauty and the beast to play the part of chip sitting in a little tea trolley uh and i said my mom said do you want to go to this open casting call thing I was like yeah she was terrified i was excited and uh, i was too big to fit in the tea trolley and they recommended me to an agency and i started auditioning and booking series and stuff ever since then and it was it just always was what i wanted to do yeah huh. because i mean a lot of people we have listeners in canada and they uh you know, I'm, I'm sure they've seen you in a lot of these, you know, like Strange Days. Uh, you know, I'm sure they saw that and Regenesis and and those shows. But uh, of course, Zach Files, a lot of people saw that here. And uh, now you... uh, it's hilarious that that was one of the things you brought up that was so long ago. <laughs> well, I don't even that... look like the same person. I hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> Over the years, how, how do you feel? Because you've worked on shows for. You know, not just sometimes they're one season, but you've worked on several shows that have been for longer periods of time. Uh, you know, you're very fortunate because of that. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's also lucky, uh, you know, the, the Canada factor is when you're a child actor in the States, the schedule is so much more commandeering that you got to do the whole homeschool thing and grow up and be a weirdo. Uh, whereas here in Canada, I spend all summer and the first half of the school year on set, and then I get to go to school for this regular school with all my friends for the second half of the year. So you actually get to have a real childhood and adolescence while living the dream of a kid. Uh, so it, it was fantastic.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, growing up, uh, basically in front of the, the camera uh, and, and having friends at a regular school, how how did they treat you? <laughs> were you were you something special, or were you that that guy, you know, the, the, from from the movies and TV shows? Yeah, I mean, when it first started happening in like middle school, it was a bit it was a bit strange, uh, and then when I got to high school. Um, it was an arts high school and it was like, oh, the guy's on TV, but very quickly everybody was acting and everybody was doing stuff and I may have been doing more of it, but it, it actually became quite a normal thing. And when I was younger, I really didn't talk about it. I thought I would come off as a jerk or sound egotistical if I talked about what I did. So I basically never really spoke of what I did, uh, um, to my friends and just kept them as two separate worlds. Yeah. Do you remember what your first acting job was that you got paid for? Uh, I did. I did like a handful of commercials. Um, growing like I did a, the first couple of years, I did like twenty some odd commercials. But the first actual like acting I did was a Canadian film center uh, short about a kid who sees his dad as a zombie when uh, when he gets drunk. His dad's an alcoholic, and and so uh, Canadian film center is is sort of like um is like AFI um in Canada and it's it's a really amazing place and it was a great place to start. Hmm. Yeah, how old were you when you when you did that? Uh 10. 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. So, Long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so so how is it being a child actor back you know way back then? It was fun. Again, I got to have a really regular childhood, but also be on set. And I didn't really understand that I was making money and my parents were good about it. And so I was actually a pretty normal kid who just got to be loud and obnoxious and be in front of a camera all the time. Um, <laughs> so it was good. Yeah. yeah. A- any regrets about going into acting? Oh, God, no. Yeah. I have such a fortunate life because of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's my passion and I love doing it. So you mentioned that it was the first audition you did in the States. Uh, are you planning to do more or, tr- you know, try to do more in the States? Yeah, uh, I, I've been writing has taken over a large part of my life now. Um, and I've been directing my own smaller projects for sort of uh, example pieces of what I can do. So I have a film uh, in the States that I'm developing to uh that I've written that I'll hopefully be starring in directing in. And right now I'm kind of concentrating on making my own projects, which is kind of where my passion lies and hopefully works out. Yeah. So writing, directing and acting in it, is that going to be tough? That's the plan. Is that that going to be Uh, tough? It will be tough. Yeah. Uh, Of course it will be. uh, But I think the key is like, I've done that in a few short films that I made and the key is just prepping the shit out of everything and making sure you're as prepared as possible on the day. So your work as an actor, as a director, when you're shooting is that much less because you've done all your homework ahead of time and know exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. And it's also like 
as far as the like directing and acting at the same time goes, I have the good fortune of having acted for so long and so much that I'm pretty desensitized to my own performance. So I can be critical without um, getting crazy and going, Oh God, no, it's horrible. Blah, blah, blah. And it's pretty easy for me to look at a performance and playback and say, okay, I should have done that there. That was good. That isn't good. Um, so that makes it a lot easier than if you're, you know, wanting to act and direct in something, but have not really had much experience yeah. in either. So when you want to direct and act and all that, um, do you find yourself when, like when you're on the adventures of the sin bin, uh, do you find yourself thinking as a director or are you totally evolved right into your acting or, you know, or do you sometimes think in the back of your head, well, maybe if we shot it this way or anything like that. Do you oh, man, I'm doing that all the time. That's because I, that's my film school. I've been going to film school for 17 years now on set. Well, I mean, when I was a teenager, I knew I wanted to direct. So maybe 10 years now. But when I'm on set, I study everything that everyone's doing. If I see a new piece of equipment, I don't know what it does. I go and ask somebody what it is. And if we're blocking out a scene and they say, oh, we're going to do it this way and that way, there's times in my mind I'm like, I don't know about that. It's not my place to say it. I'm not the director, so I'll keep it to myself. Right. And sometimes if there's a struggle on set of figuring out how to do something and I see a solution, I'll suggest it. Um, but, yeah, you, if you're hired to be the actor, don't try and be the director. Right, yeah. But you, like you say, you know, you've been acting and and having the the ability to watch these directors and everybody as you've grown up. So I'm sure you're absorbing this stuff all along, you know. Yeah, and I got to you know all growing up, I've shadowed directors um, and that I've worked with and stuff. So it's I, it's been the best film school. Yeah. Are there any actors or directors that uh, inspired you to to get into acting? Um, I mean, inspired me to get into acting when I was very young, probably like Will Smith and John Travolta. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, there's different people that, I mean, I still think those guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, along with Bruce Willis, uh, because John McClane's a god. Um, but, you know, the, I think every, every year it sort of changes who you look at and who you're like, oh, I love what you're doing. Sometimes it's young people who are quite new comparatively to, you know, the you know, beaties of the world where uh, I still look at them and see what they've been doing in just five or 10 years. I'm like, I really respect what you're doing. And you kind of, I think kind of like changes and moves around. Yeah. I want to finish up with questions that are away from, you know, the adventures of the sin bin and, and your acting and everything. When you kick back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows that you watch now and in the past? And what's your favorite movies of now and in the past? Well, um, TV shows, like I'm sure everybody else is saying right now, oh, Breaking Bad, what a <laughs> everybody <beautiful> says show. <laughs> so, so incredible. Um, though my number one favorite show of all time would be Survivor. I've watched every season. Mm -hmm. I don't watch any other reality TV. Uh, it is such an amazing study in human nature in extremes, which I think is very interesting as an actor because we are put in scripted things we're always put in these heightened situations that we so rarely face in our day-to-day -day life but on survivor it's life and death every day uh and i just love that show mm -hmm. um and as far as new shows goes i think masters of sex looks like it's going to be very interesting from the mm -hmm. first two episodes i've seen yeah um and i think it's really sex positive which is cool uh while having a ton of nudity it doesn't feel aggressively 
um, gratuitous because it makes sense in the world um, while it's still crazy hot. Um, and then movies. Um, always will love and adore uh, With Nail and I. Uh, Die Hard is one of the best films ever made. Mm-hmm. And recently, I really James Punsolt uh, is awesome with uh, Smashed and most recently Spectacular Now. I love what he's doing, and I think his whole rhythm to how he tells the story is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michael, I want to let everybody know that uh, they should go out to the theaters or on demand on October 18th to see Adventures in the Sin Bin. And I congratulate Great you. Great movie. The, yeah, I congratulate you on the film. And thank you so much for sharing with us. Thanks, and you have a good one. Great talking to you. What a great guy, Michael Cedar. want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. Be sure to check out his new movie on October 18th in uh, theaters and on demand, Adventures in the Sin Bin. It's a good movie. Check it out. And that's uh, almost a wrap for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I want to remind you, if uh, you want to email me and send me a message, go ahead. You can do that at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Or if you would like to make a suggestion, use that same address. And if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. And if you are on iTunes downloading this, go ahead and leave a review for us. And if you are, uh, you know, you, you just don't want to go out and every week come back to uh, find out the episodes and all that, all you got to do is uh, subscribe at iTunes. It's free, and it'll be automatically sent to you. Simple as that. So uh, you can check that out. All right, next week we've got another great guest lined up for you, so I hope you're going to join us then. And it looks like it's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.